G'day again, everyone. Uh, well, if you've been a part of our church for any length of time, you'll know that uh, once a year, every November, I like to go to all of our congregations uh, and I like to do three things. The first is I like to remind us what we're on about as God's church here at St George North. The second is I like to share something of what God has been doing uh, over the past 12 months and then it's because uh, it it's just good to stop and give thanks once in a while and then thirdly I want to share some plans for the next 12 months and that's what we're doing today. That's what I did up at Bixley North last week and doing across the Carlton congregations today. Uh, so it's a bit of a different sort of sermon to, uh, to normal, normal, uh, normally if you're here for the first time, normally we work through a passage of the Bible. Next week I'll be looking at the final part of Romans chapter 8, we're just pausing from that. We will get to that Colossians reading later on so you might like to keep uh, sort of a piece of paper in that but the main thing that will help you is the outline and the slides that come up on the screen but now I'm going to pray before we think about some of these things together so let's pray. Our Heavenly Father we thank you uh, for the joy it is to be part of your family, your church uh, and we thank you for St George North and we thank you for all the things you have been doing in us and amongst us this year and that we look forward to you continuing to do in the future. But we pray now that you'll help me uh, to remind us from your word about what you would have us be and do as your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, we had our fourth welcome afternoon tea for the year. Uh, now, sometimes at those afternoon teas, we have 20 new people. Sometimes there's three or four. It depends on the different one. But I love every one of them. And I always tell everyone there that those gatherings are my favourite times of the year. Now, I am sometimes prone to exaggeration, but uh, I absolutely mean it when I say that. They are my favourite events of the year, and they're great, and I love them because firstly, and obviously, we get to welcome new people into our church family. That's, that's the main reason uh, I love them, and that's especially wonderful if they're people who are coming to know Jesus for the first time. There is, there is nothing more wonderful. If you are a Christian, that is actually your greatest joy, isn't it? When you, when you see people come to know Jesus and then join in to the life of his church. I don't think there's anything better than that. But the other reason I love those afternoons is I get to talk about what we're on about as a church. And often, if you'll excuse this expression and if this is you, the old timers who, who are there, often they come up to me afterwards and they say it was great to just be reminded of those key things because sometimes you forget what a privilege it is to be a part of God's church. What a privilege it is to be a part of God's people. Uh, I mean, I actually, I get distracted about what we're on about as a church, and I'm the senior minister. I'm paid to be focused on what we're on about as a church, so I know that you too get distracted about what we're on about as a church. It's so easy to forget what God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. Uh, our vision statement as a church is not groundbreaking. So uh, I'm, I'm not smart enough for that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's not groundbreaking. It's not that specific to, to Carlton or Bexley or, or Bexley North or anything like that because what it's trying to do is just capture what we think the Bible desires for any church. And so the heart of what God desires for us is that we be on about glorifying God. Uh, and I want to say to you, that is why you exist you ever want to ask that question, why am I here? You know, that, that sort of late at night in bed question, why, why am I here? As an individual, first of all, you exist for the glory of God. Remember, we looked at, we've been looking at Romans for a long time, actually, but earlier in the year, in Romans chapters 1 and 2, it told us the essence of sin is to fail to give God the thanks, give him the praise, give him the glory. 
And so when God saves us from our sin, it's so that we might be who we are meant to be. It's so we might be what we're meant to be. It's so we might do what we're designed to do, which is be people who glorify him. But God's glory is not just our individual reason for being. Sadly, much of modern Christianity is really individualistic. It's sort of caught that from our culture. And it's sort of like, ah, oh, so I glorify God out as a school teacher. That's true, you know, and I glorify God in the way I act out in the community. And that is absolutely true. But actually, God draws us together for his glory. Uh, the reason the church exists is for his glory. And it's being a part of the church of God. It's by being a part of the church of God that we glorify God together. In fact, I, you cannot glorify God as an individual if you do not live your life connected to his church. Because the, the very essence of what God wants us to be is connected to his body, which is the church. He saves us to be a people for his very own. And the reason he calls us together as his family is to bring glory to him. I love it when I see Christians have this sort of a Copernican revolution. I know nothing about science, but, but I believe Copernicus is the guy, someone who knows stuff not at me when I say this, uh, Copernicus is the guy who discovered that actually the sun doesn't revolve around the earth, the earth revolves around the sun. So No one's knowing it. A couple of people. Pete Wrench agrees with me, so that's good. If Pete agrees with you, you know you're right. No. Uh, and that was a revolution in how people viewed the world. I love it when I see Christians have that sort of revolution about their life about their self-understanding. Uh, sometimes it happens the day we become a Christian, which is wonderful. Sometimes, though, it seems to take years for, for people to work it out, and sometimes Christians seem to forget it and then rediscover it. Uh, when we go from living for ourselves and living for our job and living for our life and whatever else and then fitting God and his church in around it, and we stop thinking like that, and we realise, actually, I'm not the centre of God's plans. God is the centre of God's plans, his glory. And we stop thinking of ourselves at the centre of the universe. And instead, we see that it's God's glory that matters. And then we realise that it's actually God and his church that should be the centre of our lives. Uh, we're made to glorify God. Uh, and, and so what happens is we have this change where we start to realise, actually, I should fit my life in around God rather than fit God in around my life. In our Old Testament reading before, Isaiah prophesied about God bringing his people together from every corner of the world. And this is what he says, will come up on the screen, Isaiah 43, verse 6. says, Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone called by my name and created for my glory. So that was true of Israel, that God gathered people together for his glory, but it's also true of his church. That's a prophecy looking forward to the church, I think. We are the sons and daughters of God, created, drawn together, gathered to live our lives for his glory. In that light, just look at how Peter talks about how Christians should live. Look at 1 Peter 4. He says, if anyone speaks... It should be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, it should be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. That is why we exist. It's why you exist as an individual, but it's why we exist as a church and why you are a part of this church. And because of that, when we work, 
When we sleep, when we play, when we eat, whatever we do, we aim to bring glory to God, both by what we do and by how we do it. But most fundamentally, we bring glory to God by responding to Jesus the way God wants us to, by trusting him, by living our lives for him. And so as a church, we glorify God by doing the things God calls on us to do together. And so our mission statement attempts to crystallise the thing God wants us to do into three areas. And the first is we glorify God by proclaiming Jesus. In the book of 1 Peter, uh, we are given this incredible picture of what we are as the church. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you, here, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. I call that the great hidden reality of the church. It, we look around and we see a really average group of people because that's what we are. We're, we're, we're an average group. There are some people who are exceptional in some ways, some who are, not, who are less exceptional in those ways, but they're exceptional in other ways. But on the whole, we're, we're an average group of people, not that different to any other group of people. If anything, we see the faults even more because, you see, in our world now, you don't get together with people who are different to you. Our world is fractured. Our world says, so just, just get together with people who agree with you. Get together with people who, who you like, who, who, who are like you. And, and so you see that even more online, don't you? Online, it, no, you're even, it's even curated so that you only hear from people who affirm you and agree with you. That's not the church. You see, church brings together people in all our weakness. So we look around, we see this very, very ordinary body of people. God looks at this group and he says, this is my chosen race. This is my royal priesthood. This is my holy nation. This is the people I have chosen for my possession. This is my most prized possession. That is my people. And he says, I've pulled them together for a purpose, for a reason. Look again at those verses. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Why has God chosen you? Why has he redeemed you? Why has he called you to be a part of his people here? So that together with everyone else here, we might declare his praises. Put another way, so that we might glorify God by proclaiming Jesus. That's, that is why we exist. And in a way... Who we proclaim the praises of God to, the audience doesn't matter. I, I think sometimes we, we can get caught up on it's proclaiming Jesus to a certain group of people. No, 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 no. The Christian just bubbles God's praises out. The church should just bubble God's praises out. We just declare God's praises to whoever is listening. So we declare God's praises to each other when we remind each other of the gospel, when we sing songs about, about what God has done for us in Christ, we declare God's praises to God, actually. We, we glorify God. We declare his praises when we pray and we sing in thankfulness for what he's done. But, and fundamentally, we declare God's praises to our world. We declare God's praises to the world. We proclaim Jesus to the world. We tell anyone who will listen what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. At the big day out earlier in the year, uh, I shared how amazing it was that in 2022, last year, 64 guests came to the life course. And I shared how I've been here all this time and we've never seen 
so many people invited along to hear the good news of Jesus by other members of St George North. By far the most we've ever seen. And we met people at the big day out who've become Christians. We met people who'd grown as Christians. There's a picture of something what was happening at a big day out. In fact, a couple of uh, daughters of people who are here in this congregation today. It's a nice shot of your daughters there on the screen from the big day out. But it was, was so encouraging, wasn't it? You're allowed to say amen and yes at that point. It was so encouraging, wasn't it? You know. I sort of thought... A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about the year just gone. I thought, this year hasn't been as exciting. So, so a couple of uh, weeks ago, I said to Avril, and I was trying to just be an encouragement to Avril, and, and I said, oh, this year's still been encouraging, Avril, even though not as many people have come to the life course. And Avril just sort of did that look she gets at me when I say something stupid, and, and she said, what are you talking about? This year, there have been over 70 guests come. And it's, and it's still going on a, on a Sunday afternoon. And in fact, the course is still running, so there might be more this afternoon. Isn't that wonderful? Don't, don't be quiet Anglicans at this point. I mean, if, if that doesn't excite you, there is no hope for you. There really isn't. That, that is the most wonderful news in the world, isn't it? 70 people have come and heard the gospel clearly explained. 70 people. Praise God. But I'm, yeah, I'm in, Sandra. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, Kelly and Grace moved away and we don't have our African contingent anymore, for we need more. But I want to tell you, I'm excited about that because it's actually a real sign of the health of our church, that people are praying about their friends, that people are looking to proclaim Jesus. That's what excites me. So I want to encourage you to keep that zeal for proclaiming Jesus. I'm going to come back to the second part, growing disciples, because I want to finish there. But the third part of our vision is that we would be serving together. And there's a verse I read out at every welcome afternoon tea, and it's this one, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, and it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And I read that verse out for two reasons. The first is, it's because it captures the heart of the message that we believe and that we preach. The truth that God sent his Son into the world to die to pay the price for our sins, the ransom price. And he did that so that we might find salvation, so that we might be freed from our sin and freed from the punishment, the penalty of sin. That is the gospel. That's the message we believe. That's one of the reasons I read that verse out. But the second reason I choose that verse is it captures what we want to be as Christians. And it captures what we want for our church See, the very essence of being a disciple of Jesus, the very essence of walking in his footsteps is to serve, to serve Jesus and to serve others. I praise God for the service culture in our church. Uh, it's been wonderful uh, just this last year to see lots of people actually joining in, in, in finding ways to serve, finding a, a team to be a part of to serve, using their gifts in all sorts of ways. I think the percentage of people who serve in various ways in the life of our church at St George North is massive. And I, I praise God for it. I don't take it for granted. But I just, I just want to remind us all, just at this point, as I do every year, God has given you gifts. God has given you gifts and he wants you to use them for his glory and he wants you to use them in sacrificial ways where you, you, you take time out to serve other people uh, and he wants you to use them to build other people up in their faith. And you talk to Jana, talk to me, talk to Troy about how you can be a servant here in your church and out in the world as well, not just in your church. 
Uh, I just want to give you a, a wonderful example of that. Uh, I could give the example of the fact that, that every, at 6.30 church, where there, there are, you know, 150 young people, where nearly every one of them, the percentage is so high that I can't, the, the number is so tiny that aren't, uh, you see them in red shirts on a Sunday morning teaching kids. You see them at youth group on a, on a Friday night uh, leading. It's just, it's wonderful to see that. But I want to give an example where I was so encouraged on Friday night. I had the rare opportunity to come and speak at Snack Youth on Friday night. That's rare because Sophie usually forbids me from coming to Snack Youth. And, uh, and so it was my opportunity to embarrass my youngest daughter at, at, at youth. Uh, usually they want cooler people than me coming to talk. But what... what absolutely massively encouraged me. I'm going to embarrass some people who are sitting here in this room, though I won't name them. What encouraged me massively was after I finished speaking, I went over and there were six people from our 9 and 10.30 congregations here who come on a Friday night, even though most of them, their kids are not in youth group anymore, who come on a Friday night to help in the kitchen so that the youth leaders can be discipling the kids and not having to worry about the logistics and that sort of thing. And for me, that is just quintessentially captured our, our desire for our church, that, that we serve. Those, those people have worked all week and they come on a Friday night and they're there washing up and making sure there's supper and, and those sort of things. Isn't, it, isn't that wonderful? That, that, for me, is the essence of what we're talking about when we talk about serving together. I could give a thousand of those examples, but I thought I'd share that one. Final part of our mission is that we glorify God by growing disciples. And when we talk uh, about that aspect, it's rightly other person focused. We rightly generally say, how can I be a part of growing disciples? How can I be a part of our church growing disciples of Jesus? And as we think about serving, we think, how can my service do that? I want to focus a little bit differently today, and I want to ask you, are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? Actually, I want to ask every individual, are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? You see, at its heart, what we want to see is every individual member of our church growing. What we want to see is you, yourself, growing as a disciple of Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on now, just for the last part of this talk. Uh, do you remember a couple of years ago, it was really unfortunate because it was during COVID, we did the National Church Life Survey. Do you remember doing that? And, and we had forms to fill in or you did them online and so forth. Uh, it's very rare that we get anything that helpful from that because one, it happened during COVID, but two, uh, they don't understand our church with our six different congregations and so forth and it's very hard to work out who's answering what and all those sort of things. But uh, there's a question on that, have you grown as a Christian, that, that people answer. We had, we had I think, uh, over 400 people fill in surveys across the different congregations. So no, by no means everyone, but, uh, but a very high proportion. Now, it was a really high percentage that said, yes, I have grown as a Christian over the last 12 months. Praise God for that. Uh, much higher, they give you the average of other churches in Australia and they give you the average of the Diocese of Sydney and, and, and so forth. And, it, and normally I am a glass half full person and, and there was a part of me that thought, oh, look at that, St George North's better than other churches, more people are growing. But then I actually got quite sad because not everyone had ticked yes. And there was a percentage of people who, who had ticked, no, I'm, I'm not growing as a Christian, I haven't grown as a Christian in the last 12 months. And 
it made me commit to praying about helping those people grow as a Christian and helping the ones who said, yes, they are growing, to continue to grow. And so I want to ask every one of us a question. What steps are you going to take to grow as a disciple of Jesus in 2024? What steps are you going to take to grow as a disciple of Jesus in 2024? So I was looking back over this 12 months and I think one of my great highlights was the number of people who did that 40-day habit challenge. Who, who did one or, or more iterations of the 40-day habit challenge? Quite a number of people. There's people I know did it who aren't putting their hands up there. So can you nudge those people if they're next to you and get them to put their hands up? Uh, hundreds of people across the parish took the chance to try to grow healthy, regular patterns of Bible reading and prayer. What I really loved, though, was the number of people who I spoke to two months after it finished who told me, I'm still praying more regularly than I was before that. That's wonderful, isn't it? And the number of people I spoke to a couple of months afterwards who told me I'm still reading my Bible more regularly. Because here is the thing, that is how we grow. It's as we read the scriptures, as we dwell on them and pray, and as we then encourage one another, that is how we grow. And that's why everything we do as a church is about those three things, getting people into the scriptures, helping people pray, and encouraging true fellowship where we spur one another on as Christians, brothers and sisters. And here's the thing I just want to stress on that today. God's desire for you, and so our desire for each other as a church family, is that you will be growing in faith and knowledge and love for Jesus and love for one another. That's what it means to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Sadly, I think too many Christians after a while, stagnate. I think nearly every Christian I know has moments in their Christian life where they stagnate. We get to a certain point where we're, if I can say this, where we're just happy to muddle along as a Christian. Uh, but we stop growing as a disciple of Jesus. And, and I want to challenge us all today to think honestly, are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? And then if you're not, what are you going to change so that you do grow? And if you are growing, how are you going to keep growing? Because that's God's desire for you. We're finally getting to the passage we read before. Uh, look at, one, at Colossians 1.19. If you've got it open there, it will come up on the screen. This is, this is Paul praying for the believers in Colossae. And he says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking, what are we praying for? We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. See, there in those verses is God's desire for you. In those verses is what God wants for you. God wants you to grow in your knowledge of him. God wants you to grow in wisdom and understanding so that you will live a life worthy of the Lord. That's what God wants for you. The only question is, is that what I want for me? Is that what you want for you? Do you remember we looked at that book, The Generosity Project, in our gospel teams earlier in the year? I hope you remember it. Uh, one of the things I loved about that book was that it didn't leave us with just good intentions. It worked really hard to say, yes, you've got these good intentions, well, what decisions are you going to make to actually put them into practice? 
That was incredibly helpful. I think our gospel team, we spent time talking about, actually some of us, we, we need to work harder at sharing our homes with people. We need to invite people into our homes. Some of us need to make decisions about how we use our money, other, all sorts of areas. And it was helpful because I think often we read the scriptures and we have a vague positive desire to grow as a disciple of Jesus, but no real plan for it and no real intention for it. See, I don't think any Christian would say, if they were asked, do you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus? I don't think any Christian would say, no. If they do, they have a massive problem and, and, and we've got other issues to deal with. The question then is, well, how are you going to do it? How are you going to grow as a disciple of Jesus next year? Because if we don't take positive steps, we meander and we stagnate as a Christian. Now, in the end, how you grow as a Christian is really simple. God gives us these three wonderful helps, his word prayer and fellowship one another so i'd love us to think about those things what you think how am i going to grow next year how, how am i going to go at reading my bible what steps am i going to take to actually make sure i read my bible regularly how am i going to grow in prayer myself how, how am i going to make that a priority in my life maybe you could make a decision now to set up some daily habits in 2024 how am i going at being devoted to the fellowship of god's people have I, have I let myself drift into what I call the modern Christian sin, actually? I think it's the besetting sin of the modern evangelical church, which is to not see the value of meeting together week in, week out with God's people. H have I fallen into bad habits in that area that I need to change? What do I need to change to make fellowship the central part of my life God wants it to be? Are, are there specific areas of my life I need to repent of things? And grow in what what steps am I going to do to do that do I need to grow in thankfulness do I need to grow in servant-heartedness what what is it I could go on and on but what steps do you need to take to grow as a disciple of Jesus in the next 12 months I want to challenge each one of us to actually have a plan to grow as a disciple I'm going to pause now just for one minute I'm going to ask you to sit quietly not talk to the person next to you just you and think on your own, don't talk about it, and maybe write down one or two practical steps you're going to commit to, to grow as a disciple of Jesus in the next 12 months. If, if you're someone who puts them in your phone or if you've got a really good memory, I, I don't care. But take a minute now, force to now, before we forget, before we go out there and start thinking about life, think now, what steps are you going to take? A couple of practical steps to grow as a disciple of Jesus in the next 12 months. I'm going to give you a minute for that now. I'm back again. But uh, I want to take the chance to let you know a couple of things to be thinking about as we head into next year uh, and a couple of things to be praying about, a couple of things to be excited about, really. Uh, the first I want to just talk about is, uh, is generosity. Uh, at the big day out earlier in the year, we shared uh, about just how much our giving needed to increase to, to fund the things we had decided under God to do. And I really just want to encourage you today, uh, the response across the parish has been miraculous. And I don't use that word lightly. I'm not using it in a silly way. I'm being very serious. Uh, so much so, do you remember that, uh, I can't remember which warden it was, it was Don Grant or, uh, or Rob Wolf came uh, and shared with us back in April or May how we had a $30,000 shortfall and so forth. Uh, do you know, since then, we have totally, we, we've not just alleviated that shortfall, we have totally met our budget each month. Isn't that amazing? That is, that is wonderful, don't you know? 
money is spiritual because how people use their money is a sign of where our hearts are at and people are generously supporting the work of the gospel and uh, uh, I just wanted to have the opportunity at one of these talks to just get up and say praise God how wonderful is that and not say can you please alleviate this shortfall by Christmas? Yeah, you know, it's just a great joy for me. So I, I never stop praising God for the generosity of his people here. Now, of course, there will be an increase required next year, and especially as we get to that next staffing appointment uh, after the Konings have been with us next year, we'll be looking towards that. So please be continuing to pray and continue to think about how you can be generous in your gospel support. But for now, I just want to praise God for the generosity of his people. Uh, now, next thing I want to talk about is the big day out in 2024. Can everyone take out the, you should have got this flyer here. Uh, I know I'm being biased in this regard, but I'm not being silly when I say this. I think something special happened at our big day out last year. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was, it was the first after COVID. I don't know if it was that there were so many new people who had joined us over that three-year period since we'd last had one. Uh, uh, I actually had people coming up to me in tears at the end of the day, giving thanks for, for hearing the wonderful testimonies of people who'd become Christians, uh, hearing the testimonies of people who'd grown as disciples. Uh, I don't think it was the preaching that created that response. I think it was the, the stories. Uh, I can say that because I was the preacher. Uh, but uh, so many people have shared that that was really one of the most encouraging days for so long. Uh, and if you were there, you'll know that. Uh, we've got some highlights package here for today to throw through. The singing was wonderful. Uh, look at those people listening to the speaker. They're very attentive. How, how good is that? Uh, the food was spectacular. I had one of the people from one of the other churches who was there to help with the kids' program come up to me after lunch and say, can I join your church? Because on our sort of equivalent day, you know, we just get sandwiches. That food was amazing. And uh, so there you go. That's a testimony. And there, how wonderful to meet together with people across all six of our congregations. Uh, and so uh, if you were there, you know how wonderful it was. Uh, if you weren't, and again, I'm not being silly. I'm, I'm actually very sad for you because you, you missed out. Uh, and so I just want to stress this. The big day out is when everyone who is a member of St George North across all our congregations, gets together to remind one another we're in this gospel thing together and to encourage one another about what God has done, what God continues to do across the parish. Uh, and so I want to say to you, please sign up now for next year's, and it is on Saturday the 23rd of March. Uh, we actually have uh, Simon Manchester, if you know Simon, who used to be the minister over at St Thomas's North Sydney for many years, coming to do the Bible talks uh, on the book of Haggai from the Old Testament. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to having someone else speak other than me, but I'll also be some sharing some other things. Uh, but I just want to stress this. This day is such a key part of our church life. Uh, if you're a member of St George North, uh, you're a part of a congregation, you meet each week here on a Sunday, you meet as a part of a gospel team each week, but this is that one other day when we want everyone who's a part of St George North to come. Uh, and so we're launching that today. You can sign up by going to the link or by going on that QR code there, and everyone knows how to use a QR code after COVID. It wouldn't be one of these updates if I didn't tell you what's happening at the Bexley Building Project, would it? I wish, I wish I didn't have to keep telling you and it could happen. As most of you would know, we've been working towards the redevelopment of our Bexley site for a couple of years. Uh, uh, we have thriving congregations here at Carlton, thriving congregations uh, at Bexley North, but Bexley, the building, is so decrepit and old, we don't have that. 
Uh, and more than that, it's really important that we do something like that for the growth of our parish as a whole. There are only so many congregations we can have here at Carlton and, and at Bexley North. We need that to grow. First of all, I want to share the good news. The good news is we now have all the council approvals. So praise God for that. It only took them two years, but praise God. Slightly less good news is that the financial feasibility has got harder and harder due to COVID and the state of the economy and inflation and all those sort of things. And the project is now very much dependent on, the, on a government grant for the childcare or preschool part of the project. Uh, apparently the government just throws money at you if you, uh, if you start preschools or childcares. And so that childcare part where we're doing up one of the halls as a preschool, uh, we're waiting to hear if we get this quite sizable grant that will make the project able to happen, basically. And so what I want to ask you today is just to do one thing in regards to the Bexley Building Project. Please be praying specifically about that. We're meant to hear in the next week or so. And just be wonderful if we committed to praying about that, that that comes off so that we can move ahead with that project. Because as I say, the growth of our church is, humanly speaking, so dependent on uh, doing something like this. Uh, to be frank, as I say, there are only so many services we can have at Carlton in a building of this size and at Bexley North in an even smaller building. Uh, and this suburban corner block is not designed for the volume of people we have come on a Sunday. Uh, so uh, please be praying about that. Fourth and final thing I want to share is actually growing the gospel beyond St George North. Uh, one of the things that brings me the greatest joy, strangely, is when we train people up for gospel ministry and send them out, send them away. Uh, as hard as that is, uh, it's a great joy when you send people out from your fellowship to do gospel work in other places. Uh, I've been here now for a long time and we have sent so many people out to more college uh, for ministry here in Sydney and in, in other places with CMS for, for overseas mission. Uh, and I'm just really excited that we're continuing to do that and I want to invite you to keep supporting it. Uh, I've already shared over the last few weeks about the Koning family uh, who we're meeting in just a couple of weeks. They're coming and joining us. So please be praying for them. As you know, Thomas uh, pastors a church in France. is coming here to be trained to go back and plant a church in a larger city in France. So we get the benefit of having them with us uh, before we send them back. So be continuing to pray for that. But I want to share some other things. How wonderful that we will have Lama, who many of you know, should be a photo of Lama. There's a photo of Lama. Uh, he's, he, we, Lama has been a part of our church at Bexley North. Many of you know him because he's been a youth leader for such a long period of time. Uh, Lama is going to be back with us for a little bit for in, in the start of next year. He's going to uh, be back with us for the big day out. Uh, which is actually where we're going to be particularly praying for him and, and focusing on supporting him, before in June or July next year we're sending him to Southeast Asia to serve as a missionary in a place where people need to hear about Jesus. And as sad as that is that we lose Lama, isn't it a great joy when that happens? Uh, I think it's a, one of the greatest joys. I don't want to give you a big head as a church, but there is not a church that per capita has sent more people into the mission field over the last 15 years than St George North. CMS, CMS tell me that. 
they wonder what's that, you know, the, you mightn't even remember some of these people. The Turners, who we, we sent to Tanzania, the McDowells, who we've sent to, to Paraguay. I hope you remember them because they're still linked missionaries. The Newbies, who we've sent to the Philippines. The Blows to Argentina. Now Lama to Southeast Asia. And that's not including people like Gladwin, who we've, we've sent to India. And if, if you go back a little way, Ryan, who, who is still ministering South Africa, who came and learnt with us. Uh, so many people, and that's not people in Australia either. Uh, and as hard as it is to send people, we love to do it because it is good for the gospel and we're on about God's glory, not our glory. Uh, so I want you to be praying for Lama and thinking about how you can support him as we send him with CMS. Finally, something we're really passionate about is training up young people to equip them for ministry through ministry apprenticeships, uh, what we call MTS. Uh, in fact, Lama's brother, Natani, did a ministry apprenticeship with us and now he's an assistant. He's another person we've sent out. He's an assistant minister at West Ride. Uh, Emily Brown, who you know because she was up the front of Church of Indigo, is finishing her ministry apprenticeship with us this year uh, and she's starting at Moore College. So praise God for Emily and be praying for her. Uh, she'll stay with us as a student minister next year and uh, continue to serve amongst us. So you don't have to say goodbye to her. But please then be praying for Andrea Wan. There's Andrea's photo as she starts MTS next year. Uh, and I love Andrea's story because Andrea was invited along to a friend to snack youth when she was in about year eight or nine and became a Christian here uh, and now uh, wants to see maybe I should be set aside for full-time ministry so she's going to do uh, a traineeship with us for two years to discern that. So please be praying for Andrea as she starts MTS next year. That's enough from me. Uh, I hope you're excited about all those things. God is good. God's gospel is powerfully at work. And my prayer is that every one of us will be a part of that work in our own ways next year.